Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I think once the NBA resumes play and fans are allowed back in the stands, that might be, in terms of sports and COVID, one of the more jarring sights we see. You think about you think about the proximity of NBA fans to the court itself. Imagine uh, just seeing then a, uh, a sea of masks. Uh, also true in baseball there, you know, the, the fans that are there behind home plate. Uh, when, we, when we see that, uh, that'll, be, that'll be quite a sight. That's going to be one of those images uh, that's get, that gets snapped and held away and held on to for posterity. It's something really characteristic of the experience that we're enduring right now. Anyway, uh, that, me just getting distracted by the newscast again. I want to tell you a story really quickly. It comes from uh, my like freshman year of high school, maybe freshman, sophomore year. Uh, I was in a home and careers class. That's like the, the modern version or the more modern version of home ec. It's where we learned how to sew and cook. And uh, I think we spent a day or two on the checkbook. We should have spent more time on that. It, we really should have. I should have learned what a 401k was and what a credit card was and what uh, debt is and what compound interest is. I heard one smart guy once tell me that that's the, that's the greatest secret of all time, uh, compound interest. Anyway, in that class, we had a project to do. And the project required us to job shadow uh, two, two workers. We had to find uh, you know, jobs that we might like, reach out to someone who occupied that job and say, hey, could, could, we, could we job shadow you for a day? And you see, I was kind of a jerk in high school, right? A troublemaker type. <laughs> you, may, you may have been able to guess that <laughs> if you've been listening to this program for any amount of time. When I was in this class and I had that assignment, uh, I had this friend of mine and he and I, uh, we, we come from a real small town. Uh, the schools were really small, and uh, and so the cool thing was to do was to get to know the girls from the neighboring school, right? If you uh, if you went out on a date with a girl from a neighboring school, you were like you were cool, right? You, you were uh, swimming in a different pond. That's pretty cool and exciting and foreign. Uh, and so we had we we had our eye on a, on a few young ladies in a neighboring school, but we didn't have cars or really any money or time to get. We didn't have there was no way to interact with them. And so we thought to ourselves, how can we take advantage of this school assignment, the job shadow assignment, to uh, go interact with, uh, with these, these girls that were sweet on across town? And we looked at the different jobs available in their school, and we thought, I wonder if we could ask someone working in their school if we could job shadow them for a day. We thought about teachers, uh, we approached them, and they saw right through it, and so they said, no, 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 I'm sorry, not going ha- to happen. Uh, next, we thought, well, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe a coach, and we could hang out with the sports teams. There, who coaches them? Well, no, I saw that through that and said, no, 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 no. 
ultimately what ended up happening was we approached the, the, the cafeteria staff and said, hey, may we, may we work for a day in the, the cafeteria? And we thought we were all clever. You know, we were going to be hanging out with these girls all day. We weren't going to be, uh, you know, scooping up food and feeding the, the students there. Ultimately, uh, they accepted our request. And we spent the day there working with uh, the lunch ladies uh, in the cafeteria. And I think for like 30 seconds, we interacted with those girls we wanted to talk to. And uh, I'm not sure what's ever come of them. But what I do remember and what I did take away from that day was that the, the cafeteria workers were some of the nicest, earnest, hardest working people uh, that I had ever met. And so what started as kind of a joke and a friend and I trying to game the system to get closer to some girls that we had a crush on, uh, what ended up happening was I was given a real-world lesson uh, in, in hard work and an important job that, uh, you know, is necessary in schools all across the country. You know, as midday arrives and children need to eat, uh, they are able to do so because of the hard work of cafeteria workers. The reason I tell you this story is that there is a cafeteria worker right now who may very well be on the short list to serve in a Biden administration as the Secretary of Education, a cabinet-level position. Who is that person? Well, she's a Utahan. Her name, Lily Eskelson Garcia. You, of course, remember that name. She started her educational career in the cafeteria. Yeah, she was a cafeteria worker. Then, uh, from there, became an aide and a teacher herself. And then, as the years went on, her uh, her responsibilities grew all the way until she was the head of the largest teachers' union in the nation, the National Education Association, where she served until September of this year. According to Politico, Lily Eskelson Garcia right now uh, has her name on the shortlist to be selected by Joe Biden as Secretary of Education. The article by Politico says Biden has committed to putting a public school teacher atop the Department of Education, a pledge that he encouraged or that has encouraged unions and public education advocates alike and is seen as a hard rule within the transition team. Given Biden's close ties to organized labor, there is also a widespread expectation that he wants to put a union official or someone with union ties in his cabinet. Uh, now, when asked for comment, uh, Utah Education President Heidi Matthews just this past weekend said this about the speculation. Having a secretary of education who has been a boots-on-the-ground classroom teacher who knows how policies make their way to the classrooms and into the lives of our students and into the working conditions of our teachers, that is just so exciting to me and so invaluable. Okay, so th- there is great excitement. There is great excitement about uh, a possible Utah, another Utah in the president's cabinet. But what does that mean? Uh, and what does it mean, uh, you know, for uh, the, the Department of Education? And more importantly, uh, what could it mean for your children? You know, there, there is uh, a certain conservative view that would do away with the Department of Education. It looks at it or would look at it and say, you know, um, I, I think that what ought to be learned in the classroom should be decided you know, at a much more local level than from the, the, the federal level. You, you may disagree with that. In fact, mo- many folks do. Uh, but uh, that is the, the position that's being discussed right now. Here, I, I want to hear from uh, Lily Eskelson Garcia herself. She, uh, just on the eve of her departure as president of 
the National Education Association earlier this year. She gave uh, the keynote address, and while speaking, she uh, shared some. She shared a, a, a glimpse at an experience that she had herself while teaching sixth grade history. I taught my sixth graders the history of struggle in our country, the struggle for justice. And I gave them the names of heroes who weren't in our history book. But I want you to understand this. I taught them to love our country because the founders got the poetry right, whether they meant to or not. They told us who we were supposed to be. I'm in love with the poetry of who we are supposed to be. It's radical. It's powerful. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are equal. Yeah, I know they said men, and I know they meant men. But I told my kids, this is a democracy, and we're going to vote. We're going to decide on what it should mean. We took a vote, and they voted it meant all people. So that's what it means. And it should mean that governments are instituted by the people to secure and protect life, liberty, and the pursuit of all our happiness. There you have it. Uh, The words of possible Secretary of Education-to-be Lily Eskelson-Garcia. Uh, a Utah who is taught here, a name with, with, with which you are uh, greatly familiar, I'm sure. I can remember uh, years ago producing for the great Doug Wright, we'd call on uh, Lily Eskelson Garcia uh, time and time again to help us understand what was happening uh, in education and setting the record straight and clearing things up for us. And she very well may be a cabinet-level secretary on the horizon. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, sticking with education, we're going to have a look at something taking place at Brigham Young University right now. They have built a camera. It's on its way to space. Why is that interesting? Why is that important? And why is it happening right here in the state of Utah? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.